an intimate limited edition recording this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. intimate recording, as in that kind of intimate recording, you filthy individuals. I mean, we're only uh, there are only two people here this week, um, and so we're having a, a more low-key hand of pod than usual. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello. We are like the pair of trikers when, when, when on a 4-4-2 draw, we are the two men into attack. Precisely, yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have any uh, midfield or defence behind us, but yes. we'll have to do our best. Um, I will begin as usual, with the scores from the last weekend, which, as usual, I've completely forgotten to get up on my screen before doing this. Um, So two seconds is hopefully all it will take to load them. Here we go. Round four of the Primera División went as follows. Olimpo 3, Godoy Cruz 0. Newell's Old Boys 3, Atlético Tucumán 1, Atlético de Rafaela 0, Rosario Central 0, Vélez Sarsfield 0, Racing 3, Independiente 1, Tigre 1, Huracán 0, Sarmiento 0, Estudiantes 3, Tempele 0, Unión 0, Belgrano 2, Tacheres 0, Banfield 0, Patronato de Paraná 1, San Lorenzo de Almagro 1, Lanús 0, Aldo Civi 0, Boca Juniors 4, Quilmes 1, Defensa Justicia 3, River Plate 3, Arsenal de Sarandí 2, Gimnasia y Esgrima La Plata 2, and San Martín de San Juan 0. Colón de Santa Fe, nil. We um, discussed last week very briefly about uh, the fact that um, there were not very many goals so far this season. Yes. Slowly, they're returning. Fair number of nil-nil draws um, at the weekend. In fact, how many were there? One, two, three, four out of 15 matches. But also some much higher scoring matches than we've seen so far. Um most notably, obviously, or almost eye-poppingly, perhaps, uh, Defensa Justicia versus River, which we'll yes, may as yes. well talk about first. Um, it was a fantastic match, but it was a bit less fantastic yes, from not very a good defensive River point of view. No? Speaking, defensively speaking, not a very good match, and of course very good in attack because uh, the opportunities they had were converted, were scored. Uh, but I think that the... The fact that what, what you have talked uh, last episode about the lack of goals is uh, partly to blame is uh, Victor Blanco, the, the, the president of Racing, because he sacked Facundo Saba. And with Facundo Saba, Racing had a pair of matches with 6-4, or 5-3, uh, or I don't remember if were two two matches that ended exactly 6-4, but it were, well, 10 goals in a match or in two matches is... A, a lot of goals mm. it is um, River's performance against Defensor was on the one hand fantastic going forward on the other hand much less fantastic going back as it were um, as you say really it, really good game it will happen uh, uh, last, uh, finally something like this because River is a, a, a team mostly uh, yeah, and uh, that this is most remarkable, more remarkable with Gallardo, uh, that uh, is more propensed to go to attack and and to not to be bad at defense, but to be more uh, to think more in the in the in converting goals and scoring goals, and uh, they, they don't know or it's not a team prepared to go back when when they lose the ball and have to defend. And with a team like Defensa Justicia, who is have the same uh, characteristics, it's uh, plays the same way uh, with uh, perhaps not a number of player players or not so uh, 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 pl- with with no players with a big name like River, but uh, the, the the team prepared to do the same things like River. It 
made a, a, a match uh, with the number of goals we had, 3-3, and, and it was uh, very entertaining for the neutral ones, the, the ones who perhaps, I know, a foreigner or a, someone abroad and wanted to watch a good game, they had it with Defensa Justicia River because it was very, very good game, of course, but with mistakes because we, we, we can't uh, say uh, that the match with six goals uh, was perfect in every aspect, of course. No, indeed. Defensa Justicia took a very early lead uh, through Tomas Pochettino. Oh, I don't think there's any relation to... For, uh, no, no, it's former Boca midfielder. Not, I think he didn't have a, a, his debut there at Boca, but uh, he, he made his uh, youth divisions, minor divisions. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. He, um, he scored a penalty in the eighth minute, and uh, Mauricio Barreiro? No, Mariano Barreiro uh, equalised for River with an own goal. Uh, nine minutes after that, River went two-one up, and then it was pulled back to two-two after half an hour. And then in the second half, it was three-two to River, who it has to be said improved quite a bit in the second half, and, and really should have uh, put the game beyond doubt before um, Andres Rios equalised to make it three-three for Defensa Justicia, which was the final score late on. Um, big, big lady legs. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, so that means that River have dropped two more points. They've now drawn twice in a row because, of course, they drew uh, 1-1 with San Martín the previous week um, and are still very much in the title hunt, but they've allowed themselves to cede ground to Estudiantes because Estudiantes won yet again four consecutive victories. First time that Estudiantes have managed to win four, um, four games straight since 1991, I think. Something like at that, At the yes. start of the season or something like that. Yes. Um, their win was a 3-0 one over Tempele. Uh, which I only caught sort of fleeting bits of, but which looked as comfortable as you expected Estudiantes versus Tempele to be, really. There's not too much to yeah, say about that one. There are some teams in which you, you expected to, to, to perform like they are doing, like uh, Tempele, for example, uh, and there are others that, perhaps we will talk about it later, but that I at least didn't expect to be awful, like, for example, Code Cruz, um, having great having done a great uh, season last last season um, and for, uh, for in the other ha- in the other hand I didn't expect to have news for example they are near the near the top uh, as they won 3-1 I forgot against who um, but yes uh, there are teams that surprised me in, in their performance for good or for bad 3-1 against Atletico Tucumán for yeah, news that is um yeah, Newell's uh, revival in particular has been alarming, and I think we will get onto it uh, once we've finished going over the big five. Uh, Boca Juniors got a very uh, impressive on the score sheet win um, against Kilmes. It was a really, again, an, another very entertaining game, actually, more entertaining um, for the neutral than perhaps 4 1 suggests. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you'd expect Boca fans to be entertained. Um, the first half in particular was. was I mean, that was when all the goals were. They were all scored in the first quarter of the match, in fact. Uh, three of them from Dario Benedetto, who broke his duck at last for Boca, um, with a six-minute backheel, a 17th-minute header... No, a 17th-minute scorcher from about 35 yards out, and a 24th-minute header, um, and found the time in between to set up Ricky Centurion with another backheel. Um, that is, Benedetto's assist was a backheel rather than Centurion's goal. Um to put Boca 4-1 up. Um, after that, it sort of fizzled out. But it was a bit of a weird one because Boca were, for a change, incisive and and, uh, and decisive as well in the final third. Um, but at the back, they still looked a bit sort of shaky. And there was a at half-time, you sort of thought that the, the half-time score could have been 7-1 to Boca. Or, or it could have been 4-4. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was, uh, they seemed to give Kielmes such a huge amount of chances as well. Um, yes, because the equaliser, I think it was at the 12th minute mm. of the first half, uh, found Boca defend, defenders all of, all together looking for the ball, and there was a, a Kilmes man, man going through, the I think, the big box, uh, scoring the goal. So that, at that point, you, you perhaps thought, or anyone thought, that it, it would be another... Uh, uh, Complicated the match for Boca, but finally Benedetto, who hadn't been even shot to the goal because the, all the all, all of his shots were were 
uh, out of of the post. Yeah. Uh, now that he he like you said uh, scored three three together three in a row. You hear about players being confidence players, and I think that finish for the first goal clearly gave him the confidence um, to get going. And it's interesting that in a way that this performance came uh, without Carlos Tevez. Of course, they already had one game without Tevez, but this was the first one in La Bombonera since his uh, suspension um, two weeks ago. And we have something about Tevez, uh, a question and something he said. Indeed, yeah. And it's, we will analyse it's a question later. that I'm going yes. to... Um, I wanted to bring it now, actually, because it kind of fits in with, with what I was saying. Obviously, Tevez is playing for Boca tonight because they're playing in the Copa Argentina, as, as we mentioned last week, um, against Lanús, who did kick off uh, one minute before Boca did on Sunday. So hopefully Boca aren't whining too much about lack of, of rest from their point of view. Um, although we have another spectacularly immature um, argument to, to talk about in a second as well. I don't know whether you've seen this yet, Andres. Um, it's just happened just this evening. Uh, but yeah, in... Um, about an hour and a half, Boca will be taking on Lanús in the Copa Argentina with Carlos Tevez. Um, Tevez has been giving a bunch of interviews and on TV and he's been saying he wants to... He, the, well, no, sorry, not that he wants to. He's been saying he's considering retiring at the end of the year um, because he can't be asked anymore, I suppose. He says he has nothing to do with football, that it's something about the environment of football that tires him. Uh, they, 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 the routine of football is like tiring him and he's analyzing that that he will talk with his family well he could uh, continue at Boca he could go to to another team or he could retire there are a lot of options that he left uh, they are in the air and and, and uh, which feeds all of the more morbo and the, all, all of the so, uh, things that then when when a lot of when the, when the media or, or press talks about him and not about football but all of his private life and he he's like contributing to that because mm. he 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 said that he could uh, retire, he could continue at Boca, or that he even could uh, go and play for another club. So it's nothing definite. It's uh, uh, there there were declarations that he left there as like titles, but no one, no one, no, no, none of them were definite. Precisely, um, and it's going to be interesting to see what his performance is like this evening. Um, where he is playing, of course, because it's, he's only suspended in the league, and he, indeed he's only suspended for one more league match. Um, it was a three-match suspension in total. It's going to be interesting to see how they played today, because they, they looked on Sunday like they'd really come to terms with playing without Carlos Tevez, um, who at times this year has been, I guess, a good parallel to use, that I, I'm guessing even a lot of our listeners who don't get to watch the Argentine Primera um, will be familiar with so far is sort of Wayne Rooney. At Manchester United so far this season has, has been like a millstone around the neck, I and mean, I wouldn't say Tevez has been that bad, um, but he's been a long way from being Boca's best player as well, um, or at least he's been a long way from being the kind of player that Boca need to be their yes. best player. Well, in 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 a way, he uh, I think he's like contradictory because he said uh, that uh, he's if he decides to retire, it has not nothing to do with football, but at the same time he said he re- he realized. Or he admitted he he hadn't been playing very well. Mm. That, that his performances weren't as the the Boca the ones that Boca needed. That when he started or he he came back from from Juventus, he was like uh, the Boca, Boca supporters were like delighted because he started in a way that invited to think he would be that Tevez, the one from Juventus, and then his his uh, skill went down and. and and now he's doubting even he, even he will continue playing football. Um, so he has been even contradictory with, with those declarations. Yeah. Um, so that's that's Boca and, and Tevez as well. Um, Kinless, as, as we say, put up a, a fairly decent fight considering the um, pasting that they took on the score sheet, but um, couldn't really get back into the game once uh, Benedetto caught fire. Um, elsewhere in the world of the Big Five this week, we had a 1-1 draw between Independiente and Tigre, which consisted of um, an early-ish goal by Carlos Luna and a penalty right on the stroke of half-time from Victor Cuesta for Independiente. Did you catch any of it, Andres? I didn't. Very a little, but I think it's Independiente, well, uh, side some players uh, to uh, for them to be fresh uh, at Chapico where they are playing now against Chapecoense 
Um, and uh, yes, uh, for example, Rigoni, one of the, uh, I think, most, uh, uh, one of the best players for Independiente this season, uh, has enter has gone into the into the pitch uh, in the second half I think yeah um, so yes it was a match a, a, an even match with uh, Tiger uh, I think uh, well they knew that the will 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 be more interested in this match than in the the the, 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 <coughs> the, the championship because it it has uh, thirty rounds and there are still twenty five matches to go and so Americana is now or you leave the, the competition it's this match and you you can if you lose you you are eliminated precisely uh, so, so they they yeah, try to to play knowing that and they well started with the with the winning it with uh, the, the the goal from luna like you said and finally the second half with the polemic i would say polemic penalty because it was discussed whether the the old keeper from Tigre uh, uh, touched Mesa, the former Gimnasia midfielder that now is Independiente. Yeah. Uh, well, but the referee awarded it, and Victor Cuesta was the one who who converted it. Well, Maxi Mesa has uh, been already at the centre of another uh, scene while we've been recording, um, because as we record at the moment, uh, it's uh, Chapecoense nil, Independiente nil. In the second leg, obviously they drew nil nil last week as well. Um, uh, Maxi Mesa took a football to the face earlier on, and then sort of carried on as if nothing had gone wrong. And then about a minute later, he's looked down, and his mouth and chin and no, shirt were all covered in blood because uh, his nose had started bleeding. Um, uh, he so was the star- sorry, okay. he was the starring also of another polemic in at Gimnasia mm. when he was uh, about to leave and to si- sign for Independiente. Uh, we, there was a, some not scandal, but something between Alfaro, Gustavo Alfaro, the, the coach of Gimnasia, and Onofri, who is who I think is the surname of the Gimnasia president, because uh, well, Alfaro understood that that Mesa will leave Gimnasia in the middle of a competition with no chances to to sign another player, and this annoyed him, and he well, he didn't resign, but. He was on the point of resigning. Mm. Yeah. Finally, he sto- he stayed, but uh, uh, yes, because uh, first uh, Gimnasia, uh, first uh, Nacho Fernandez left Gimnasia to go to River, and there Troglio said, "Well, it was one of the best players we had, and now Mesa was the one uh, not to leave Gimnasia." And finally, he left. Yeah, um, Racing. Good 3-0 win away to Belles, which as much as anything um, I think confirms that maybe Belles aren't as good as we were asking whether they were a couple of weeks ago after they beat... Uh, who did they beat? Was Some, it? Uh, um, oh God, it's happening again. <laughs> I'm forgetting it. Um, hang on a second. After they beat uh, Rosario Central, that yes. was right, in the second round. Um, of matches since then they have lost two in a row away to San Lorenzo and now at home to Racing and it's not going to get any easier or well if River keep defending the way they did on Sunday then it might get a bit easier for Belles, um because next up is a trip to the Monumental um, this coming weekend for Belles Southfield um, with an interim coach because uh, Baseda has left oh I completely missed that you're right Yeah, I, I saw something about it and it didn't really register with me but yeah he, he left after the game Marcos Acuna with two goals, Lisandro Lopez with one for Racing, who are picking themselves up a bit and starting to to look a little bit more confident now under under Ricardo Cielinski. Um, they have, I mean, they're unbeaten so far. They've they've drawn both home matches, which is, I guess, why the fans are obviously the first of those wasn't under Cielinski, but but it's why the the fans might be slightly underwhelmed that they've won both away, both to nil as well. 2-0 against San Martin and 3-0 against Belles Sarsfield. Um, do we think they're going to... I mean, I, I think with the quality in Racing's squad that they're likely to, to play themselves into form now really over the next few weeks and that they're going to be there or thereabouts for the title, you would think, right? Yes, and um, Racing is a well-balanced team uh, playing against a, a very unclear team like like Belles, which is the opposite of Racing in terms of order and, and, and balance. So it was the perfect match, match for Racing and for Sielinski plans, which is to to uh, 
have a, 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 a well to, to go to, to go and attack but then to 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 uh, manage the difference uh, very in, in an intelligent way and and for Velez was of course something very difficult to to then to recover the the difference um, and with the advantage of of counting with uh, with Marcos Acuña who is uh, on fire he's just on fire he's mm. uh, with two goals and an assist for to to Lisandro Lopez for me he deserves uh, largely the, the call up for national team because he's playing he has been playing like this way last year and this year or last season and now he's continuing with those uh, performances and uh, for me there are three players of course the uh, Bausa has already called up uh, some players to to replace the ones who are injured um, like Biglia, Uto Fernandez and of course Messi and Acuña isn't there but for me Acuña, Belucci and Rigoni deserve a, a call up Belucci? Yes for me Belucci, Rigoni and Acuña of course not I don't know if all of all of them together at the same time but uh, those are three players that for me are, are top in, in I mean in the league in the domestic league and uh, for when Bausa if Bausa thinks of calling more players from from Argentina from the tournament mm. those three are, are for me uh, have to be there okay but he he, he already made a, a call yeah which we will talk about yes. later um, San Lorenzo finally of the big five uh, got a 1-1 draw away to Patronato Emmanuel Mas with a fifth minute own goal and then Emmanuel Mas with a half hour equaliser um, so does that mean Emmanuel Mas scored twice or not at all does one cancel the other one out or I don't know um, but uh, the the second of his goals uh, the one that was scored for San Lorenzo was certainly the better one it was a very nice run and yes. control and half volley into the bottom corner um, and it, it was a bit of a weird performance from San Lorenzo I mean they're the other um, another team I was going to say with, with the same record as Racing so far after four games they, they've won two and drawn two um, they've not done both of their, their victories away and, and both the draws at home like Racing have done but, but apart from that it's, it's the same um, Pity for a Patronato who can't win yeah that as well yeah yeah you're quite right um, but it, it sort of <sighs> San Lorenzo looked in the last couple of games like they were starting to come together and now they they, they were very disjointed again in, in Parana. I thought it was a bit, a bit weird, wasn't yes. it? Um, but yes, as you say, Patronato are struggling like anything. They have at least managed a point, though, because they lost their first three games, and now they've got a draw. So they will be thankful to Mr. Mass for that. Um, it is, by the way, the first time this century... Um, that we have reached the fourth round of league action and four of the big five are still unbeaten. Boca Juniors are the only one of the big five to have lost so far this season in the league. Um, that was on the... Oh, it was the opening day, of course it was, to Lanús. Um, and uh, the last time that that happened was the beginning of the Donnell Clausura 1999, when Racing were the only one of the big five to lose during the first four rounds of matches. So... That's yes. interesting, isn't it? Um, Surprising thinking, thinking around the last last uh, times, last seasons, in which uh, big big five or big teams were not used to to get uh, best results. They they, they were like uh, the other teams like Lanús. Well, Estudiantes continues with that way, but uh, Lanús or Rosario Central uh, teams like that, Godoy Cruz, uh, gained uh, more like. Uh, uh, how to say a presence in the in the first positions of the of the league? Yeah, absolutely. Um, elsewhere in the league, we have mentioned Estudiantes' uh, very confident victory over Atlético Tucumán already. Uh, no real surprise there, obviously. Um, I was mildly surprised by the confidence, though, of the Friday evening game uh, in which Olimpo thrashed Godoy Cruz three 0 which suggests that, as you mentioned very quickly earlier, Godoy Cruz are rubbish this season. Because to lose 3-0 to, to this Olimpo team, you've got to be quite bad, um, I would say, without meaning to offend any Olimpo fans who might be listening. 
Yes, one of one of the great points of the last uh, last tournament was the pair of strikers, not we, not us, but uh, the pair of strikers that Godoy Cruz had like, with mm. uh, Moro Garcia, Santiago Garcia, the Uruguayan, and Ashobi, the from the one from Ecuador. Uh, that was remarkable last season, or last tournament, and now, well, now. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think who else they've obviously they've lost Fernando Suki to um, to Boca. But as you say, Ayoi and, and Garcia are both still there. Um, and they didn't have any major uh, sort of losses or, or, or incomings. Otherwise, they're, they're playing with not exactly the same squad, obviously, but not a massively different squad either. So I'm, I'm slightly baffled at the start that Godoy Cruz have had so far. Um, Rosario Central, nil nil away to Atletico de Rafaela. Another one. Has yeah. fall has fell in, in in doubts that they didn't have last last times. In Central's results so far, they managed one win, and that was one of the three in a row that Patronato lost at the beginning of the season. Um, two draws and a defeat to Vélez. So, again, without having, I mean, they've they've had uh, um, Franco Serbi went to Franco Serbi La, La Ronda, but the last time they so, were, he was injured. Yeah, so I mean, again, not a wildly different squad, albeit one or two big names have left, but um, they, they they don't seem able to, to get to grips with this new season yet. Um, elsewhere, Tacheres are still looking for a win after a 0-0 draw with Banfield on um, Sunday afternoon, uh, in which I think, on that occasion at least, I don't think they were particularly unlucky. It was a pretty dull game, um, all in all. Um and where else? Did you catch any of Arsenal versus Gimnasia, perchance? I couldn't. No, nor did I. I wasn't expecting it to be any good, and then it finished 2-2. Um, but what we do know happened is that Arsenal fought back from 2-0 down um, after 24 minutes, and indeed from 2-0 down with 12 minutes left to play, um, to secure a 2-2 draw with almost the last kick of the game through Matias Jimenez. Is it Matias Jimenez? Yes, I think it is. M. Jimenez. I'm going to hope that it's first. Yes, it's Matias. But where I, I I catch I catch I catch the goals, of course, uh, not the the match. But what I could see was that Gimnasia was incredible defending in the last minute with all of the defenders, all of the players in the small box, and the uh, Matias Jimenez receiving the ball from a corner, I think, or from a rebound, uh, and having time to to stop the ball and to put it where where he wanted. Uh, last minute you are winning 2-1 and well uh, incredible well okay um, that I think concludes our roundup of, of, of the weekend's um, goals for the, for the most part uh, we could I suppose very briefly also mention the Copa Sudamericana because we talked about it um, last week and I came back after the theme music and told you what the first leg scores were um, both of those ties uh, are also are being concluded this evening. As I said already, Chapecoense versus Independiente um, is nil-nil now after 38 minutes, so it's also nil-nil on aggregate. Um, and the other one, uh, Belgrano got a 2-1 win away to Coritiba um, last week, and that, they're playing in Cordoba later on tonight, so I'll be back to tell you the score for that. But a match that's being overlooked, really, because, because we record on Wednesdays, um, is Deportivo La Guaira against San Lorenzo, which was a very entertaining first leg. Um, San Lorenzo won it 2-1 at home and were 2-0 up after oh, very early on. I mean, I've got the, the match details in front of me, but they, they sort of soared into a 2-0 lead, took it at maybe half-time and it should have been more. And then very early in the second half, La Guaira got a penalty, which they scored, and sort of, I don't know whether they were holding out or whether... They just San Lorenzo couldn't finish the chances in in the second half, but it was a much duller second half than um, than the first one had been, and so arguably a tie that really, from San Lorenzo's point of view, should be over already, um, is very much alive going into uh, into the second leg in Caracas tomorrow. Yes, yeah, incredibly the, the 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 way they of course uh, they won, but uh, it is complicated with the complicated draw because of that goal. La Guaira was incredible, but well, uh, well, they will have to stay the the, the clean sheet, of course, to to 
have a safe ticket to the quarterfinal. Yeah, um, so it's going to be very interesting because you would think they're going to be better at home than they were away. Um, so Thursday night, have a look out for it. I'm going to try and get this podcast online a little bit earlier than about five minutes before kickoff of that match um, because last week it went up very late in the day on Thursday. Um, and another thing, talking about continental football that we have to discuss on this uh, podcast is the wonderful news that Conmebol, in their offices offices in Asuncion, have given us a pretty compelling piece of evidence, I think, to suggest that they listen to Hand of Pod, um, and particularly to my pleas. Um, we're going to discuss that, and we're going to discuss Edgardo Bausa's latest Argentine national team call-up, um, call-ups, I should say, in the, in the plural, because he's named the whole squad for the um, World Cup qualifiers, which are next week 6th of are, October and 11 6th and 11 so yeah we have the squad for that so we will discuss that and we will discuss this Conmebol news which uh, you'll uh, you might already know what I'm talking about but if you don't then make sure you're sitting down when you listen because it's shocking um, right after this brief piece of music say that a stopped clock is right twice a day um, and shockingly Conmebol have managed to do something right once in well they've existed for about 100 years now haven't they of course they have it's uh, their, their centenary year this year so they've existed for exactly 100 years um, the Copa Libertadores ladies and gentlemen as from 2017 is going to last from February until November I'm very, very happy about this. I have uh, long said, as, as regular listeners will be aware, um, that it would be the best way of improving uh, the, the Libertadores as a competition and to a certain extent to uh, domestic um, competitions across the continent as well. It would uh, cut back on fixture congestion, it would cut back on player fatigue and, and, and travelling time and, and whatnot. Because at present, until now, we have had a competition with the same number of matches, or in fact one more match, um, for teams who play in the group stage and go all the way to the final uh, than the European Champions League, but which is played over approximately half of the amount of time uh, on a on much bigger continent where travel times are much larger and where conditions for away teams are, are often significantly worse, including obviously having to head up to La Paz or Quito or wherever for, for a couple of matches in the group stages normally and often the knockout stages as well. Um, so the news that Conmebol yesterday um, announced is, is, is one that's made me very, very happy indeed. Year-round Libertadores, a Copa Sudamericana that's going to start in June rather than um, in August. Uh, it's not all perfect, and I'll, I'll get on to the imperfections in a second, but um, otherwise I, I think it's all um, positive. No? I think that that part is even better, the, the, that the Copa Sudamericana will be played from June to November, or no, to December. June to December. The Libertadores final is going to be in November and the Sudamericana final is going to be in December. I think that, that, that is better even than the, the change of the calendar for Copa Libertadores because mm. well, Copa Libertadores will, be, will have more time to play the matches. But for teams that, for example, the same way that happens in Europe with the Champions League and the Europa League, uh, now the teams that... Do, they, they don't qualify to the quarter, uh, round of 16 of Copa Libertadores could play Copa Sudamericana yeah which is it is well uh, more attractive for teams not to perhaps throw the towel and, and say well we are not qualifying to to round of 16 but to have anything else to to play for yeah and in fact that was one of the things I was going to mention as one of my sort of imperfections because by and large um I don't like that in Europe the way that it works. Um, it's it from what we've read so far. It seems it's going to work exactly the same way um, in in the uh, in in the Libertadores and Sudamericana as well. 
Um, but I think that it's a little easier to justify in South America because the Sudamericana obviously only draws from um, 10 countries. And you're often talking mid-table teams because the Libertadores only draws from 10 countries, so has to take the top, top sort of five or, or four from, from some of them. And as a result, I think the Sudamericana in the early rounds especially can sometimes suffer from a bit of quality. So I think there's less of an issue maybe um, with giving the lucky losers, in inverted commas, from the Libertadores a place in the Sudamericana than there would be, or there is, with giving the Champions League um, lucky losers a place in, in the Europa League. So I, I, I quite like that one. The, um, the main problem that I, I, I see... Um, with it that's not entirely great is, is and this is only a rumour at the moment um, is that Alejandro Dominguez the Commonwealth president is said to also favour a one-off final played in a neutral venue which I'm not a big fan of I, I like the two-legged finals um, he, he tweeted something yesterday saying yesterday being Tuesday saying that um, seven out of, of every ten um, two-legged finals end up being won by the team who are at home in the second leg but that's a sort of nice way of missing out the fact that the team that are home in the second leg is the higher seeded team that's why they're home in the second leg that's the right that they get and therefore they're probably the team who've been playing better obviously there are some exceptions to that you've got River versus Tigres where River were the lower seeded team but uh, played at home in the second leg because it had to be settled in South America um, yes. but by that point I think the momentum was with River through the competition yes, as well and in Europe you have less distances shorter distances to travel from one place to another and in this case it will be very very more difficult because if you play for example there is a a, a, a poll or there is a, a or the, 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 the chosen venue is for example La Paz and, and the one the, the team that Uh, got uh, arrived to the final is uh, far from La Paz the, the supporters will have to travel long yeah. distance and it's a problem but there is a good thing uh, about the calendar anyway for Argentina in terms of the transfers and players that will live in the middle of the season will be the same because uh, in the middle of the Copa Libertadores I mean uh, because in the 30th of June the, the, the season ends and Copa Libertadores will still be played Uh, until November, so the, the the players that the the squads that will be different from one stage to, to another in Copa Libertadores will be the same. Uh, in that in that case, it's better. I think it's better in Europe that uh, by the end of the season, the the Champions League is also ended. Mm. So you don't have any problems with the squads that you you don't know whether you will have the same players or not in the in the. Uh, in other stages of the of the competition, but the other bad thing about this about the new Copa Libertadores that they are analyzing to uh, make teams qualify by ranking or by historic ranking. Yes, which is being at least in Argentina is being uh, painted as as a way of inviting River and Boca in every year, which is something the Sudamericana, of course, used to do before it was. Um, able to take it possible to take it seriously as a serious competition um, and which I think would be a mistake although the, the way that they phrased it is to it, it would involve some teams would be allowed in on uh, technical merit in inverted commas um, depending on their performance over the previous five years so it wouldn't just be sort of all time oh independiente can come in regardless of how crap they are at the time because they've won yeah. seven seven times that kind of thing um, but even so I think I mean I hope that they don't end up going for that. Again, that's another detail that, that hasn't been fixed in stone yet. The, what's been confirmed is um, they're going to be having 40, 44 teams are going to be playing in next year's Libertadores, which is up from the 38 who take part um, at present. Um, so I assume that means in the group stage, in fact, now I've said that. I think it will be a first stage yeah. than the, that will go to the group. They've painted yeah. it as, a, as an expansion, but there are more than 38 teams in this year. Oh, there are... 30. Oh, yeah, there are more than 38 teams, if you include the, the qualifying rounds as well. Yes. I'm sure there are. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then it will be taking place from February until November, which, as I say, is wonderful. It also means, of course, that the final of the Libertadores is going to be quite shortly before the final of the Club World Cup, which means, and this is when I first mentioned it, really, last year, um, ahead of the Club World Cup, it, it means that the winners of the Libertadores will be going into the Club World Cup with that momentum fully behind them. They're not going to have that thing that 
you know, that River suffered from, that San Lorenzo suffered from, obviously apart from the vast vast um, gulf in wealth between between them and the European club, which isn't going to end overnight. But they're now not going to have that thing of having a slump for sort of four or five yes. months ahead and, and, and no, no, getting out of the groove of winning. No danger of, of, of having less players or, or if a, a, big, a big player like, for example, River that lost uh, Carlos Sanchez, Funes Mori, uh, yeah. Rojas. Well, Rojas uh, wanted to leave the same as, as uh, Teo Gutierrez that even fi didn't finish the, 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 the Copa. But uh, that would be good even for that because uh, the same players, same level same moment so it's that is good and it means that in future when there's a world cup or a copa america and and the libertadores has to break after the quarter final stage at the moment that won't be an issue anymore you'll have the group stages and then you'll have the international tournament and then you have the knockout stages i'm assuming that's the way they're going to run it anyway i mean yes. this is conmebol so they might just decide to cram to everything fix, in in the first yeah, half of the year and of the final in november yes. um but uh, we're assuming that it's going to be a bit more sensible than that. So, yes. good news all around, uh, by and large. Um, not perfect, but good. And now, Andres is going to um, give us a little prepared something, because he's done preparation. For yes, well, I, I wouldn't say prepared. I am, like, uh, I have read something, because, well, uh, today is a special day for us, for you, for me, for every... every Uh, River Plate supporter around the globe because it's uh, International River Plate Supporter Day. Today being yes. Wednesday, 28th of, of September. Yes. Every 28th of September. So uh, any 28th of, of September, September is the is the day um, because well it is like an homage for Angel Labruna, the ugly one. He's called El Feo uh, because he he was born the 28th of September of 1918. That's why in 2003, the, the board members of River at that time, uh, so 13 years ago, they decided to make this date, this uh, International Real Plate Supporter Day. And that's why today there was, they released a, a special alternative T-shirt as also an homage for Angel Bruna, who used to wear a tie with the same uh, design of the... Uh, Uh, oh, okay. Red and white uh, stripe, stripe. And now uh, you could could see it. It's blue, like, dark blue with a, 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 the, of course, the traditional stripe, but with the colors in in in, in, in instead of red, uh, white and red. Yeah, it's a sort of a red sash yes. on top of yes. a, a thicker white band. Yes, uh, yes, it's like an image for him because he. Uh, scored 2,193 goals, almost the same uh, amount of goals like Arsenio was there as the second mm. most goal scorer in, the, in, the, in history. He scored 16 goals in in Super Classicos, the most of co also goal scorer, uh, the one who scored more goals in Super Classicos. And as a and as a coach, because he also was a coach, uh, he cut with the. Uh, a period of of 18 years for River with no no tournaments awarded from 1958 to 1975. Mm -hmm. So he was the coach when River won it again after 17 years, and he was part of the machine, La Máquina, the, the, the one of the uh, most famous uh, strikers in in Argentine football in history with Muñoz, Pedernera, Lusto, and so that's why. All of these things make for today to be the the International River Plate Supporter Day. Fantastic. Thank you, Andres. You're welcome. I don't really fully understand why Argentine clubs have these family well, days, but uh, it's, it's a nice touch. In this, time, in this case, it's special because of him, because he was a great man of history. Mm. Sometimes he's like, I don't say stupid, but for example, the day of the Rosario Central uh, Uh, supporters is because of the Aldo Pedro Poi Palomita or, or uh, those things is are, are very stupid but in this case it's like an homage for a very very important player in history and to make the, this date special but Indeed. that's it um, the final thing that we're going to talk about in this second part of the podcast oh I've just realized I didn't um, expand on the childish um, argument between Boca and Lanús that I mentioned in passing earlier and said I would do so let's do that first uh, as we say the Copa Argentina 
they're kicking off in uh, in about an hour's time now. It's ten, to, ten past eight now. Um, and apparently about an hour or two ago, I saw this on Twitter just before we started recording, um, the kit men got there. And in spite of the fact that Lanus have been um, drawn as the home team for the, the tie, obviously it's on neutral ground, but Lanus have been drawn into the home dressing room. Um, Bocca's kit men got there first and, and put all of the kits out and stuff in the home room. And then when the Lanus lot turned up and sort of said, what are you doing? This is us. We're supposed to be in here. Um, the Bocca guys refused to move, so they had to go for the uh, for the organising committee person. And he said, "Yep, Lanus have been drawn at home, so you Bocca people have got to leave." Um, and they ended up arguing over it, all because apparently I don't. I mean, I'm guessing that yes. Bocca's kit men decided to try and bag the home dressing room, even though they there, just shouldn't have been there. There are things so. that have no no solution, and we have of, co- of course short perhaps mentioned this uh, because. Well, national team, I think it's a bit more important, but there won't be any any ascenso matches this weekend. No, again, yeah, because of a strike. Right. Yes, um, the the strike that we talked about last week is is ongoing this weekend. So once more, no uh, lower division games in Argentina this weekend. Primera only. Um, the national team, then, let's move on to it. I've got the squad. Oh bloody hell! No, I haven't got the squad up still. Where's it gone? I will have the squad with you in one second unless Andres can get there first on his phone. Um, but uh, Edgardo Balsa has named his second international squad. It, of course, is without Lionel Messi because he's injured, um, as we mentioned last week. And it, this is for the World Cup qualifiers against... Uh, they're away to Peru and then at home to Paraguay. Is that the right way around? I think so. Um, and where are we? Let's see whether I can find it now. It was here somewhere. Um, and of course, as well as being without Lionel Messi, it's also with Gonzalo Higuain, who is back um, after deciding that he was uh, okay to be called up again now. And bloody hell, it's not showing up on the homepage. Um, give me a second, everybody. Curious. Ah, brilliant. Andres has got it here. Do you want to read those names out then? So we have goalkeepers Sergio Romero, Nahuel Guzman and Mariano Anduja. The defenders are Mateo Musacchio, who didn't get called up by Barca before, did he? If I remember. I think he was, but he, he didn't play. Yes. Okay. Um, Facundo Roncaglia, Gabriel Mercado, Nicolás Otamendi, Ramiro Funes Mori, Marcos Rojo, Pablo Zabaleta, Martín de Michelis, interesting one, and Emmanuel Mas. Apart from de Michelis, I can't see any um, particularly noteworthy contributions there. Um, uh, particularly noteworthy um, discussion pieces there. I mean, midfielders are Javier Mascherano, Matias Craneviter, Eber Banega, Angel Di Maria, Eric Lamela, Nicolas Gaitan, and Guido Pizarro of Tigres in Mexico. Not she's, she's Tigre in Argentina. Um, who is the main standout sort of uh, call up here, without doubt. Um, and the forwards are Sergio Aguero, Angel Correa, Pablo Dybala, Paulo Dybala, sorry, Lucas Prato. Gonzalo Higuaín and Lucas Alario um, so Pizarro very very good for Lanús um, from what we hear and from the, the sort of small amount that we really get to see here because uh, the Mexican league kicks off rather late at night even by Argentine standards um, and Tigres matches don't tend to be on in fact when I flip through and notice it's on the TV anyway um, but he's been in, in, in good form throughout and I think that if he um, is managing to keep up the same level that he was showing at Lanús of you know deep line midfielder who's good in the tackle but also a very good range of passing. Um, he's a real option for them. In, in yes, role, yes. Right? it's a very versatile. He's, he can play defensively and, and, and to be more more in. I don't I don't say in attack, but uh, uh, to play like we will say similar like Banega, for example. But someone some people. Uh, Thought that Banega will be in the starting lineup last next match against Peru, the sixth of October. But apparently, Bausa said that the ones will be in midfield will be Canabiter and Macherano. Mm. Yeah, um, which is going to be interesting to see how they meld as a double five um, as well. Uh, that, that's going to be nice to watch. As I said, I, I personally. Uh, say every time we talk about the Argentine national team that I like Mascherano at centre-back and Kranovita in midfield rather than 
quite a bit of partnering Mascherano. Um, but certainly there's no reason that they can't complement each other nicely. Um, so we will see what that turns out to be with the balance of midfield. Any other sort of particularly... Anything else that you've sort of thought when you look through the squad? Good points, bad points? Well, the salary in the, again in the, in the call-up, uh, because Bausa said that he's the future of national team. He had recently said that. Uh, uh, and he said also that he wanted him to be there, even if he doesn't play, to have like uh, to mix with the players that, are, that have been already there, because he considers he's the one who will be uh, there for a long time in the mm. national team. So that's another remarkable thing about uh, the and, national team. And in fact, Pizarro might be as well if he takes his opportunity. I thought Pizarro was about 29 or 30 already, and um, I've just looked him up and he's 26. So um, yes, when he, when he was well. playing for Lanús, it was thought that he would be to Europe, moved to Europe. Finally, he he well moved to Mexico. It's not a bad a bad place if you think about well money and some easy easy place to go. Then of course you have to play and even well, either Pizarro was in the final of the, of of Copa Libertadores last year when the Tigres lost against River, so yeah. he was in the final. Yeah, indeed. So he has uh, experience at, at a decent level. Um, and we will see uh, whether he gets any playing time. Peru and Paraguay, and Paraguay are going to be sort of, obviously perhaps not as taxing as, as Uruguay um, in, in the last round, and obviously Colombia and Brazil um, in the double header that's coming up next month. But, uh, sorry, well, not next month, the month it's after. Next, week, next, yes. next month um, and then a and month next later. Week. Um, but we will... Um, hopefully be able to, to get to see a, a, an idea and obviously they're going for how to deal without Lionel Messi or how to cope without Lionel Messi by really not replacing him with anybody in particular I think Bowser's probably going to trust Lamela again you would think in the in the centre possibly this time he wasn't as good as well as it was expected at Venezuela uh, so we will have to see but uh, I don't I don't think that he will make any major changes uh, and the ones who he called up for example well Pizarro and Alario who is again there they will be in the, the subs bench and he will, I think he will start the match with the normal ones I mean he, he said uh, can I beat Macheran in the midfield which, which was one of the uh, central points because uh, uh, Auto Fernandez and Biglia are injured mm. Auto Fernandez with a serious one and Biglia perhaps for three three weeks time of recovery uh, but then it will be I think the same uh, or could be Mercado or, or Zabaleta then well Otamini and Mori are, are of course there uh, with uh, I think that will be Rojo if he's available well and then we will have to see if Lamela or, or Vanega who will be in the right uh, uh, Macherano and Granbiter Di Maria and well uh, I think Iwaiina and Aguero will be there, will be in attack if everything is okay. Yeah. Um, oh, bloody hell, I was typing while you were talking and I forgot what I was going to say, sorry. Um, anyway, let's go on to <laughs> a particularly smooth transition um, into our listeners' questions. Lorzinho is the person who um, Andres mentioned uh, or hinted at earlier when he said that we've had a question about Carlos Tevez. Um, and his retirement rumours he says any truth in the rumours that Tevez might retire because the pressure's too intense we're going to shrug to that one we don't know um, but it's uh, you know worth saying that they're not I mean they're not just rumours it's something that Tevez himself has said with a microphone and a TV camera in front of him um, has said that he might do so watch this space I mean footballers say lots of things and then don't end up doing them so he might do but he might not but it's very much a possibility by the look of it um Darren Paul says, is Bowser kicking himself given the big Sam saga in England? Bowser for England. I don't think he'll be too disappointed with avoiding that um, particular poison chalice. And he also says, what's happening with the Primera Bay postponement? He means the Bay Nacional, but obviously the Primera Bay is, is included there as well. All of the lower divisions, um, indeed. And, um, yeah, in fact... Completely accidentally, we answered that one a minute ago, didn't we? Because we said that they're still. Yeah, the delay of the payments with the lack of money and well, of that, all of that, uh, make the teams of Primera B, Nacional B, and Primera C not not to be 
uh, allowed or not to be able to travel to the different places they will, where they have to play, so they they decided to go on a, on a strike. Yeah. Uh, Darren also says, Marcos Acuna, how easy is he making football look right now? Surely he's worth a look for big Eddie Bowser. Um Yes, for me. You think? Yes. Oh, you said earlier, didn't you? Of course, yeah. I, I'm not... I, I think maybe, but maybe not purely because of the position he plays. I mean, he's got so much talent ahead of him. Yes. Um, the problem is that you have to perhaps take advantage of the moments of every yeah. player and perhaps Marcos Acuna if you talk about him six months later I don't know if he will keep this level because he's superb at mm. this moment he's uh, scoring with a, a, a great amount of, of goals without being a, a natural striker he's more a, a midfielder from the left to a, a, a great uh, uh, meters that he runs but uh, a great amount of meters, but uh, not uh, not a striker, and he's scoring, he's assisting. Uh, this is a big moment for him. Yeah, and on a very very regular basis, and much like yes. sort of Federico Manquecio for Independiente, if Racing fans will forgive me for uh, <laughs> the comparison. Um, a couple of years ago, um, it's yes. remarkable, but no real way at the moment of telling where he's going to end up as a result of it. Um, Darren also asks: Is Arce of Crucero del Norte the best goalkeeper in the B Nacional? You've clearly been watching more Ben Nacional than either of us have, Darren. Um, he says he's up there with Lancey shot the Argentinos Juniors for him. Well, in that case, we'll trust your judgment, Darren. Um, that might not sound very professional, but there are loads of Primera matches to watch every weekend, so I, I'm not paying much attention to the Ben Perhaps Nacional next well. year when there is no more football para todos, uh, things are different because we, yeah, we'll have, we have to choose which match to, to, to watch. And Jack Fuzz uh, gets in with a question which um, initially I thought that he was asking the same question two weeks running and then I remember he actually tweeted this question to us just after we finished recording last week so um, he was a bit late and he's back now uh, on time well done Jack he says how is Ed, uh, Esteban Cambiaso regarded in Argentina might he be returning to the Primera before he retires how's he re- regarded here Andres I don't think well he has, he's been well uh, Regarded here because he has played for Independiente and River, uh, and well, Argentinos Juniors. Uh, but after playing for River, he there w- it was mentioned that he could come back. Finally, he didn't, uh, and well, played for Inter ten years from 24 to 2014. Then he went to Leicester, where I don't know if he was in the squad of Leicester. No, he wasn't. No, he didn't win the league. No, he was uh, uh, he was there the season one season okay. the year before. Uh, well, uh, now he's at Olympiacos, but with 36 years old, I don't think he will come back for a yeah. retirement or I, perhaps I think, six months. But I think if he was going to come back here, then then he would be he would have done it. it. The time to come back was when River were interested in him, which was when Leicester signed him. Um, I think now it, it, it's uh, less likely. Um, but certainly, how is how is he regarded here? It, I mean, by and large, people you know. Most fans have a lot of, uh, of respect for him. I mean, he's, he's won more trophies than any other Argentine player, apart from Lionel Messi, um, outside Argentina, yes. uh, just to clarify. Um, you know, more than, more than our friend Odi Stefano well, did. So, so in his own yes. way, he's a historic player. When for, he for played Argentina 10 years for Inter, I thought he would remain there and perhaps do something similar with us, like Sanetti, yeah. who is now a vice president. But finally, he, he left uh, and, well... Uh, he yes a very very good career and uh, great great midfielder uh, but um, I don't think he will come back here uh, for to play because I mean River for example have uh, signed the one who is still there is Alessandro with a uh, thirty years thirty something years but then for example Aymar Saviola players that were very good when they uh, go out from the minor divisions from the youth divisions and when they came they came back they weren't good with uh, a normal a, 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 a similar age like uh, Cambiasos so uh, per- perhaps Independiente where he also had good memories possibly um, but don't hold your breath basically uh, Lawrence Hart says Rio Ferdinand suggested that Marcelo Bielsa would make a good England boss would he take it if offered and how would it go down in Argentina if he did um First of all, I'm not entirely sure that, whether to agree with Ferdinand on that one or not, really, given the problems that English that the English national team have. Um, would he take it if offered? 
haven't a clue. Yes. I mean, yeah, we, we, we don't know. Um, he, he obviously doesn't like working with uh, difficult um, directors and, and people who he doesn't see eye to eye with who, who aren't going to give him control. I don't think that, um, that the English FA would, would, would have as much of a problem with handing in the sort of control that he likes, necessarily, but whether they'd be the sort of organisation he'd want to work for um, otherwise is another matter. And then, of course, you have the fact that he's Argentine and would be managing England, and not just any Argentine managing England, but the Argentine who was um, largely seen here as one of the reasons for Argentina's failure against England in the group stages in 2006. I mean, yes. What do you think, Andres? But one thing you have to... Sorry, in 2002, I meant to say, yes. not 2006. One thing you have to be sure about is that anything like Allardyce won't happen with, with Bielsa. Uh, He, he's absolutely honest about well, or at, at least one of the things uh, in which he's still there to, to and he's named or linked with teams and and, and and named is because he's honest and he's very, very clear uh, you may like it or not in terms of football or the way he, he makes his teams play and, and the results because of course everything here is about results but uh, the the way he the way of uh, the style or the way he 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 manages the teams or the, the clubs is is right is the, the uh, you you know he won't lie he won't uh, rob he won't uh, do anything wrong or or his that is not correct but but then is uh, is the taste or the the the, the, the way that if you like him or not uh, of if if England likes him or not but uh, uh, um, he he can can do things like uh, he did with Lazio where there was a contract that he was uh, about to sign or he already signed and when he the, the director directors didn't uh, take the didn't bring the 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 players that they said they they would bring he said well I won't I won't go and mm. he didn't Yeah, it's um, it's particularly special. You yes. certainly wouldn't have the same problem as Andres says that, that England have had with Allardyce uh, this week. Um, Simon Clark asks whether I won last night's pool competition in my local. I did not. I lost in the semi-finals, but uh, we'll brush over that one quickly. Um, and we've had one more, I think. No, we haven't had one more. Um, that's it for the questions. So the next music that you hear will be Mystic. Liam's theme music this week because Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me is making this week's predictions Liam's predictions are as follows for the coming weekend Quilmes versus Olimpo is going to be a draw Godoy Cruz against Union, he says, is a Godoy Cruz win. Central against Arsenal de Sarandí is a Rosario Central win, which is interesting, cool, I think. Um, Aldo Civi versus Tacheres is going for a draw. Newell's Old Boys to get a, an away win over Tempele. Racing to beat Patronato in El Cilindro and therefore claim their first home win of the season. River to beat Tavares in the Monumental. San Lorenzo to beat Atletico de Rafaela in the Nuevo Gasometro. Belgrano versus Lanús is going to be a draw, according to Liam. Obviously, they're both in action um, tonight, uh, a little later, just after we finish recording this, uh, in different competitions. Banfield versus San Martín, he's going for a Banfield win. Gimnasia versus Estudiantes, the Clásico oh, of the yes. weekend. He's going, unsurprisingly, really, I think, for an Estudiantes victory. Um, Samiento versus Independiente he's going for an Independiente win he's going for a draw between Colón and Defensa y Justicia in Santa Fe he's going for a Boca Juniors win in Victoria against Tigre a victory in Victoria if you like um, and Atletico Tucumán versus Huracán he's going for an Atletico Tucumán win Andres what do you make of those anything in particular that caught your eye no I think it's more or less a I think the same. Or most most of the results are, are, are I think, are correct or are uh, the ones who anyone would expect. So it's okay. We have the first real um, 
sort of legitimate Clásico of the season this weekend, as we say, between Gimnasia and Estudiantes in La Plata, which should be good fun. Um, and I think a number of, of other interesting games, River, at home to Vélez in particular, have got the perfect opportunity, um, given, as we say, that Vélez don't appear to be any great shakes after all this season. Uh, so it's a good a good chance for River to, to get their confidence back up after a dropping points two weeks in a row. Um, and I think Tempano versus Newells could be a bit of a dark horse as well. I think that, that has the potential to be a decent match. Yes, it's two uh, relatively underwhelming. Good teams. opportunity for News to confirm they are they are in a good uh, in a good moment and template to perhaps uh, have their first their first win. Mm. Uh, uh, I think it would be. Yeah, let's just check that. No, they won on the opening oh, weekend, um, okay. but it would be their first win since then. So in many ways, would, yes. <laughs> would feel like their first win yes. certainly. Um, so yes, keep an eye out for those ones. Um, that's all I think for this week it's been a very short and sweet podcast albeit with one or two cuts to make which you won't have heard hopefully listeners if I've done my job properly Um, so thank you very much for listening again as usual please tell all of your friends Um, and thank you to Andres you're welcome And, and thank you and goodbye from me goodbye Four results to tell you about after the uh, end of this week's podcast. There are three penalty shootout um, victories. Independiente against Chapecoense finished nil-nil, and Chapecoense won um, on penalties. I think it was 3-1 or 4-2. Uh, Lanús against Boca Juniors in the Copa Argentina finished 2-2 with Carlos Tevez scoring twice. So quite a good performance from him. And Boca won the shootout for that one, 4-2. And just now, uh, Belgrano lost 2-1 at home to Coritiba, meaning that that one also went to penalties. It was 3-3 with two away goals each. Um, and Coritiba have just won the shootout, also 4-2, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so well done to both Brazilian teams. The defeat for Belgrano means that San Lorenzo are the only Argentine side left standing in the Copa Sudamericana this year. And since they're already in next year's Copa Libertadores, that also means that Godoy Cruz are into next year's Copa Libertadores. You see, I told you that uh, that stupid end-of-season playoff would end up being completely meaningless and that you'd have forgotten about it by the time they qualified, didn't I? Um, And one other result from the evening was the Futsal World Cup semi-final, which finished 5-2 to Argentina against Portugal, which means that Argentina are through to their first ever World Cup final um, in Futsal which they will play against Russia on Saturday afternoon.